Hello, everyone. Welcome back for another visit to the awesome village. My name is Greg, and joining me is John, Glenn, Ryan. There are no death nuts this week, but there were some hot dogs. Um, we yeah. just had a nice little supper. You we guys kept it simple, like yeah. the Fourth of July. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I Glenn and I, we are, our families got together last night so that the, the the girls could play, and we grilled some grilled some stuff. We had a bunch of leftover hot dogs, so we brought those over. What else did y'all have that y'all didn't bring over? Because y'all are selfish. I mean, we grilled some. Um, we <laughs> I just some pork chops and some sausage and some chicken and some hot dogs. Jesus, man, we we got me and Greg got screwed here. We didn't get chicken or pork. I should just invited you to my grandmother's thing yesterday. You there, there you go. <laughs> oh, I, I will grill you some meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you want you want some meat? We'll grill you some meat. I mean, I'm sure you will. To I'll the I get you some meat by you know eight o'clock tonight. <laughs> 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 you don't want to know how. But I'll get it. <laughs> there are ways. To, you know. We had we had 24 courses at this restaurant yesterday. Um, 24 courses. 24. It's like 24 different items that they bring out, family that, style. Yeah, that's, eat. that's called a Jack Bauer meal. It was uh, it was pretty epic. <laughs> but two of the best things that they brought out are not actually on the menu. You have like if you have to know about them to order them. They're the Mama's noodles, which are these very thin, uh, wide linguine, I think. Um, but it's butter and olive oil, and they're amazing. And the other thing with these very tiny veal chops, which were just done perfectly. I had a veal chop. The other, me and Sandra had a date night on um, on fr- Friday, and um, we went to um, uh, Andrea's. Oh, oh good, yeah, good yeah, stuff. Good yeah, stuff. The chef Andrea came out and talked. He always about does. Yeah, yeah, great restaurant. And um, Sandra had never been there, and he's she's like so. You know, what do you recommend? And he's like, oh, well, what do you want to eat? And he went through everything, and then at the end, he's like, if you don't find anything that sounds good on the menu, you just tell me what you want, and I'll make it for you. It, and, it's, and I ended it's, up having, it was, a, it was a veal chop, and it was breaded and kind of pan-fried, and it was stuffed stuffed with prosciutto. We, we, uh, we, years and years ago, um, when my, my son was very, very young, me and Mac Five <laughs> went there with her, her grandma, and it was a, just a lunch date. We all went out there, and he, of course, is roaming around the tables, and my son could not find anything on the kids' menu that he wanted, and Andrea was like, well, what do you want? Tell me what you want. And I think he told him, like, you know, butter noodles. Like, oh, we can get that done for you. And he just went and he himself went and whipped up a little batch of butter noodles. Before we even ordered, he brought out some butter noodles for my kids. So, I mean. Yeah, it's it's a different kind of Italian cuisine, too. It's like northern Italian. Yeah, yeah he, they have a lot of seafood. Uh, right. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I, he even made the joke that the seafood swims straight into the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that Like, they have very fresh seafood there. The, the crab meat ravioli were really good when we went. And the one thing that we weren't even going to order until like he like raved so much about it was the, uh, for the appetizer. We got this crab cake, but it was unlike anything I'd ever seen because... He calls it a crab cake, but it's actually the cake is ground up eggplant, and it's Ooh. it's got this um, like the lump crab meat with like a lemon butter sauce. All right, we gotta stop it. talking about this. I'm getting hungry. I mean, I just finished eating, so I'm not hungry, but it all sounds good. That that sounds well, amazing. The court, like, so we were it was at nephews. We went to yesterday. We went to Vincent's a few weeks back, but nephews, uh, my cousin, his family with with uh, the guy that owns it. But yeah, it was the first couple things they had out were like uh, it was mushrooms. With Parmesan cheese, then there was a uh, there was a caprese salad. At one point, there was tomatoes with uh, with brisket. Oh, that was a kind of shredded, uh, which I still have some of that left over because they let me take some home. Uh, they had steak medallions. There was uh, rolled eggplant stuffed with ricotta. Golly, huh? we need to go do this like a big group of us one day. <clears> yeah, it's, it's, it's a feel like well, well, my cousin Paul told me that he's there every Friday night. All we have to do is tell him we're coming and he'll make places for us. Oh. But uh, yeah, it's. The, the feed me is, is kind of the way to go. Sounds, sounds expensive. Um, I have to find out what the price is, but it's... 
If it's 24 courses, it's got to be an upwards of... <clears throat> I, mean, I, I guess it depends on how many people you got. 24 courses, but they bring it out. It's over like a two-hour period. So it's like six... So is it like a tasting thing almost? Pretty like much, that, yeah. yeah. Kind of like when we went to La Boca and they did the tasting. You pretty much try everything on the menu, but... Yeah, we want... We actually, we want to go back to Andrea's already, so next time. Nice. Yeah. It's actually really good for lunch, too. The prices are a little <laughs> bit more affordable. Yeah, Sandra had Asabuco. That's good stuff. Yeah. I almost got that at Vincent's. I got a... Uh, uh, Brichalon instead. Oh, nice. Yeah, we were um, we were watching um, some show with Giotto on the Food Network, and Sandra's like, "Let's go eat Italian food." And then, uh, Andrea's was the only place we can get a reservation that night. Impostados is good too. I've never been at Impostados. It's good. We should just do a whole episode where we talk about restaurants. Oh. Well, did you see? Um, they've been doing restaurant impossible. They've been doing show like restaurant New Orleans restaurants lately. The last oh, cool. two weeks. Yeah, I think last week, um, one they did one in um, Lafitte. Um, kind of the name of it. Restaurant des Familles? No, no. Yeah, it, that's it's someplace that's been down in Lafitte for a long time. Um, that's in Crown Point, Ryan. Yeah, you're right. It's a little bit further. <laughs> Not Which Lafitte that, that proper. Clo- that's closed right now. I don't know if you know. Yeah, because it, it burned. It, yeah. It burned. They did a... They've got another restaurant. Yeah, Brian. Okay. Yeah. I haven't been there yet. I'd like They've to been posting it. updates on re- on the restaurant being reopened. <laughs> They're going to do like a big revamp and mm. really redo it. I wonder what the alligators are, uh, are doing about the lack of, of visitors. They're going to be starving. Yeah. Just, just full. To, we're saying they must be starving because people haven't been feeding them, not because they haven't eaten. Yeah, people. Restaurant Day for me is a restaurant in the um, <coughs> Crown Point area, out, about, about 30, 20, 30 minutes outside New Orleans. And it overlooks a swamp, and there's gators out there all the time. And you can go out to the little balcony area, and the, the servers actually have taken my children out there before, and you toss some bread to the gators. They come out, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, I find it funny, too, like on swamp tours, the thing that they feed gators, marshmallows. That doesn't seem right at all. Yeah. It doesn't seem right, but gators love marshmallows. I mean, who doesn't? Animals but, like weird things. Yeah, that's like was it in um, Wanted when they said the thing with get rats, you need peanut butter and not cheese. Yeah, uh, that's that's true. That is true. Mm-hmm. My dad said they, many. They can't get it off this trap in it. Yeah, yeah. But with, with like a few years back, we went out to my my uncle had some horses. He used to raise horses uh, for like for racing, and we went out there and saw the horses, and they feed them peppermints. Horses <coughs> love peppermints, apparently. Interesting. That's, so they they keep their speaking voice very clear. Yeah, yeah when they so. talk to Wilbur. There you yeah. go. I mean, the one that they did the, this last week on Restaurant Impossible <laughs> is called Dunbar's Creole Cuisine. Creole Cuisine. I never heard of it. Nor have I. Yeah, uh, it was on. Um, I have been watching this season of Hell's Kitchen. Have you Have you gotten to watch it yet? I, you know, because I didn't know it started, and uh, a few, like maybe a, a year ago, my DVR, one of them reset, and I didn't know what shows I lost, and I guess Hell's Kitchen was one of them. So by the time I found out a new season was on, I was. I might have to give you my YouTube TV stuff so you can watch it from my cloud DVR. I mean, it's not available on like Hulu or anything. I don't know. Booties was on in Lafitte. They did. Okay, I've heard of it. I've never been there. Okay. <coughs> cool. You think that would be in Boutique? <laughs> it's, it's in Lafitte with okay. the lizard people. There you go. <laughs> they say Glenn Davis. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun, but we have a lot to talk about today. Yeah. Um, and I want to go. I want to. Okay, I want to hear about this the most. So I'm going to start off with this. Cue into the storm. Yeah, um, last night I watched um, 
after my wife went to bed early and I watched uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then I was looking for something else to watch, and I just saw on HBO 2, because it had already premiered a little bit earlier, was a new documentary series on HBO that was called Q Into the Storm. And there were two episodes last night. I just watched the first one. I think there's going to be four I'll, or five. I total. watched the first one as well. It's produced by Adam McKay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it just gets into if I mean if you a lot of people I'm sure have heard of QAnon, but if you don't know what it is, it's very interesting to kind of. It's kind of interesting and frustrating at the same time. It is, and it's um, it's just all these like different conspiracy theories that people have because there's someone who posts these makes these kind of cryptic posts who just goes by the name of Q, and they as they explain on there everybody that posts on this site they're anon whatever because it's anonymous so his is Q anon. And, um, I don't think it's John Delancey. No, that's what I was just about to say. And I mean, a lot of these posts are—they say it's very like, oh, it's like he's predicting what's going to happen in the, in the future. But when you really look at them, they're very vague posts, kind of like horoscopes are in the, in the newspaper, where a lot of different stuff could happen, and be like, oh yeah, that's kind of what it said in the in the horoscope, and mm-hmm. and then the ones that where it doesn't come true at all, they're just like, there's always some reason why, you know, oh, well, you know, there's a reason why that didn't happen. And, and These people piss me off almost worse than Scientology. I was about to ask, make the comparison. Like, and it is, and I mean, they, is it almost worse because these are people who are? It's almost like a willful level of ignorance. I can understand Scientology a little bit more, especially when you kind of see that like people are sort of sort of on the self help kind of thing, right. And then they're brainwashed. This is almost like you're you're washing your own and, brain. And all of them, as they keep saying in the thing, <laughs> I'm, well, I mean, prove to me that it's wrong. And it's like, well, you're saying that this vast conspiracy thing with all these crimes happening, you have to prove that that's true. Otherwise, these people are innocent. Right. Like, you can't just say this and say, well, prove me, prove it Anyone wrong. that no. says that, though, prove, prove that I'm wrong, like... No, it's like if somebody... The burden of proof isn't on right, someone like else. Right, like, yeah. if you're at your house and somebody shows up trying to convince you to join a religion, <clears throat> the burden of proof is on that person at your doorstep, not on you. Yeah. To verify that this is, and real. some of the things are kind of interesting coincidences, I guess. And they, they, they say, "Oh, we don't believe in coincidences; it all means something." But some of the stuff they look into, which I actually laughed out loud. Did you, the part it's where like, they showed that there's a picture of President Trump in Air Force One, and he had about four or five of his like aides behind him, whatever, oh, and they were all the posing th- for a picture with a thumbs up. up. And this guy was like, "But look, if you take this picture, if you like connect the dots with all their thumbs, it spells out a Q. So that means something." It's like, no, it fucking doesn't. <laughs> And then, like, he I right, was like, I was like, and, it's a circle. And then he right clicked on the photo, and like, the, the letter Q was like in the file name of the photo, which that proved that President Trump was yeah. working with the QAnon people to uncover this vast conspiracy about Democrats and Hollywood celebrities drinking the blood of children. Yeah, uh, that's real, by the way. Yeah, it's, well, pr- prove no, it's wrong. I, I, that it's not. And it's like, what? Like, you, what is it? The the Gripplevers uh, file. Uh, what's the name of it? Not Michael Voss. There's some sort of frazzle drip or whatever. Frazzle drip? You never heard of the frazzle drip? <laughs> it's, I think it's frazzle drip. It was apparently... It so sounds like something Bill Cosby would say when he's kind of... It's frazzle, it, frizzle, it, frazzle, it, it frazzle drip. Like, remember when Adam Sandler would do the Cosby mm-hmm. mysteries? That's what it sounds like. Um, the thing is, it, it says that the New York police, um, when they confiscated Anthony Weiner's computer... There was a file on it that said insurance, and then inside there was a video that was titled Frazzle Drip. And when you clicked on it, it was his then-wife and Hillary Clinton uh, torturing this young girl, underage girl, having sex with her, then slowly cutting off her skin and scaring her to get this uh, certain chemical released in well, her they blood. Just to sleep, then. And then drinking the blood, and the cops who discovered this video were murdered 
Well, because it's the what was it from Twilight? The Voltori? That's what it is. Well, I mean, and apparently, like even on the dark web, this doesn't exist at all. Like, and, and people are like, they're they're well, so well that cleared. I, I heard no from someone exist, who. Bro. Yeah, I know from someone who knows from someone that saw it. Q said it. Yeah. And you know, Q he's omnipotent, so he just. <clears throat> and no one knows who Q is, and there was the one guy that was apparently kind of banished because there was a couple of posts that were made that were irregular with the, with the IP address, and he's like, "This is not Q," and they immediately just got off of his platform or whatever, and like kind of banished him from it. And he's just like, I don't... "He's like, I was following Q, but this yeah. wasn't Q that posted well, I, these, and now I, they." I, I agree with you. This documentary, at least the first episode, <laughs> was very interesting, but it just got me so frustrated yeah, because it it's like the, these people, like like Greg just said, they. They've pretty much brainwashed themselves, and when you try to talk <coughs> sense into them, they always have some sort of retort that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And when you say, "Well, you know, something was going to happen on this date," well, it didn't happen on that date. Well, that's just because we're smarter than everyone and we moved it. Well, I mean, yeah. So that's all. here's the gist of it: if you're out there and you believe in this, you're an idiot, and I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> But, but still, uh, you know, support our, our channel. Give us a thumbs up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, you say that, but I don't, I don't know that we want. <laughs> when, 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 you're trying to, when you're trying to say that people have done things wrong, you don't just then say, prove me wrong. It's, you actually have to prove well, what you're saying. There's also, it's kind of funny you should mention that because there was a, I was in the YouTube vortex the other day and they had some Joe Rogan clips that popped up and there was one of them, like, like there were these different arguments he's had with different people on the show. And I, I watched some of those, and then there was this discussion he had with uh, with this guy. I forgot the, the guy's. He's a comedian, but he's very, very right wing. And he uh, was talking about you know lies. And every time he brought up something that President Trump had said that was a lie, he would say, well, "What about Hillary Clinton? What about you?" And he said, yeah. "He said, you know, have you heard of the term whataboutism? He's yeah. like, you know, we're not talking about them. We're talking about this. They and, try to and, shift it onto somebody else. And he kept saying, "Well, you got it. That that post links to the Washington Post, and that we can't trust them." And it, it was just like he was invalidating every... I mean, that's a classic tactic by um, defense attorneys. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just, you know, if you know your client's guilty, try to shift it onto somebody else. I mean, it's just it's just some of these people... I mean, and just to see them, they look like your normal... That's, that's the first thing. There was some like real, normal, bunch of stuff with people. Alex Jones in it. Oh, that guy. Yeah. yeah. I love Alex Jones' defense is always that, like... Well, I just meant it as a joke. It was, it was, a, but people get their information from you, and you make it seem like yeah. you're giving them information, and then you try to sell them silver to inject or whatever. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, we'll we'll get off the politics because it's 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 a it's a black hole. It is. It really is. Um, moving just, on. Just the only, the only cue that I care about is either John Delancey or one of the James Bond keys. Yeah. That's all. Here, here. Desmond Llewellyn. Yeah. That's but, right. Because God uh, rest. Yeah, it was um, R was um, R was John Cleese, but then he became Q, I guess. Yeah, when, I think after when he took over in that ben, last one, then Ben, ben, ben Wishaw was Q. Q. Yeah. Um, well, look, we're gonna do Destination. Our destination is the future. Back to the future <clears throat> for a, a documentary. Is this a documentary? Yes. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot. Of fun. So <clears throat> this is a four-episode um, kind of docu series. It's on Discovery Plus, which I've mentioned before is the uh, Discovery Channel's uh, streaming service. Um, so it stars uh, Josh Gates, which if you watched um, kind of Sci-Fi Channel and Discovery Channel, he's had a couple of shows on that. And I think he's a uh, um, he he went to school for paleo. He was a double major of uh, paleontology. I mean, I'm sorry, archaeology and drama. So pretty much Indiana Jones was his bread and butter. It seemed growing up. 
Uh, he used to do a show on Sci-Fi Channel called Destination Truth, which he would like go to different places and look for like, I don't know, stuff like the Loch Ness Monster or you know the werewolves or stuff like that. And then Discovery Channel hired him to do the show called Expedition Unknown, where he's go he goes around the country and looks for like hidden temples or like Excalibur sword and like different artifacts. Well, this was apparently a passion project for him because growing up he was a- absolutely in love with back the Back to the Future movies. So the show starts, and I guess kind of the little premise is it's it's a little silly, but it it it, it works. Where um, <clears throat> Doc Brown shows up and gives him a newspaper from the future, and there's a picture of him of Josh Gates and Michael J. Fox in this DeLorean that is slowly vanishing, and he's like, in a, in a few weeks you're supposed to be presenting this DeLorean to the Michael J. Fox Foundation, and it's disappearing. You need to make sure this happens. So he says, okay, and this is just kind of a I guess think to to uh, frame this whole thing, but he goes and he picks up Chris, Christopher Lloyd, and him and Christopher Lloyd they go and they meet with Bob Gale, who wrote the the movies, and um, he kind of is telling them about you know the background, you know how him and Robert Zemeckis wrote it, and when they ask about the DeLorean, he tells them that there were seven DeLoreans used in the filming of the three movies, and the show is basically them trying to track down the seven DeLoreans. So, like, there's a couple in their museums, there's a couple that are privately owned, uh, there was one in a theme park, um, and it, it's a lot of fun, especially if you're Back to the Future fan, like, Christopher Lloyd's with them the whole time, but, I mean, like, they go to Leah Thompson's house, which she's aged very well, by the way, um, and by the way, the only prop she kept was the prom dress. Um, but there's, um, there's a bunch of little cameos by different actors from the Back to the Future movies, um, which I'll just mention one because it made me laugh out loud. When they're talking to Bob Gale, they're sitting in the diner from the movie and they're all eating hamburgers, talking about you know him coming up with that idea for Back to the Future. And the Josh Gates guy just kind of uh, tugs at the shirt of the waiter and he's like, hey, can I get some more mayo? Is and it Goldie Wilson? You hear, mayo! That's a good <laughs> idea. I'll bring extra mayo. <laughs> But it's just, you learn a lot about the making of the three movies and how they, you know, the stuff that they did to make the um, DeLoreans, because they said the kind of the trick was it needed to be futuristic looking because it's a time machine, but it also had to be believable that Doc made this in his garage. So it, it's it's really cool. Um, some of the stuff these collectors have gotten is mind-boggling, but um, so if you're a fan of Back to the Future, you'll fly through this. I flew through all four episodes in one sitting. Well, you much. won't fly through it until the second one. But. That's right. That's <laughs> when we don't need roads. But, I love Back to the Future. But it's it's a, it's, a, it's so much fun. I was telling Glenn last night we were talking about that, and uh, I just recently saw this like John Mulaney bit where he talked about the pitch for Back to the Future, and you don't realize, because we all love Back to the Future, just how ridiculous it is. How, how could they have pitched it? And he's like, you know, we got this kid. He's like a teenager. He's really lazy. He oversleeps all the time. But one of his friends has got a time machine. Like, oh, is one of his friends from high school? No, it's this elderly, disgraced nuclear physicist. <laughs> Why is that his friend? We don't care. <laughs> it's like, what does he go back in time and try to, you know, try to save, uh, save Kennedy or something? No, he goes back in time, attempts to fuck his mom, but he gets stopped by this guy, Biff, who's a family friend who tries to rape her. And then his dad comes in and beats the shit out of Biff. <laughs> And they're like, let's make this movie. <laughs> that, that pitch uh, is up there with the Gremlins 2. <laughs> the Gremlins 2. The thing that was interesting, like, when Bob Gale talked about when they first came up with the idea, he said he was at his parents' house, and um, he found his dad's old high school yearbook, and he noticed that his dad was the president of his graduating class. 
and he started flipping through the yearbook and noticed his dad was in all these like clubs and he thought man I wonder if I went to high school back then if I would have been friends with my dad and that's kind of where they came up with the whole idea but um it's a, it's a lot of fun like I said it's four episodes it's on Discovery Plus cool I would check it out nice speaking of, uh, of fun I guess Murder Among the Mormons so this is a Netflix documentary series true crime documentary series it's only three episodes probably should have only been two um it's about this event that took place in the early 80s in Utah. Um, basically, this guy starts discovering um, these lost documents that have to do with uh, the Mormon faith. And apparently this guy had found a lot of documents, um, you know, stuff from like presidents and stuff where he just found these old documents and stuff. Well, anyway. Um, there's a bit of a controversy about one of the letters he finds is called the White Salamander Letter. Yeah, and the sal- reason for this <laughs> is salamander. is apparently because in this letter, it's told that Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon faith, was always... They were always Joseph or John Smith? Joseph Smith. Joseph, Joseph. Smith, yeah. He was taught... He told everybody that um, this saint... No, an angel called... Uh, Moro- Mor- Moroni. Moroni or something like that. It sounds kind of like Mormon. I guess that's where they got the, the religious name from. Or, or the crime boss from Batman Begins. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, he shows up and supposedly tells him about where these gold plates are buried, where mm-hmm. Joseph Smith can go find them. Well, apparently in this, this letter, it changes it to where a, a white salamander told him to go find these gold plates. So it made it sound like the religion was completely even more crazy than it already is anyway. But at least Mormons are good people. Um, but anyway... Long story short, uh, he's starting to make these deals, and he lets people know that he supposedly has these this new set of documents he's located that's going to be even bigger than the White Salamander letter, and it's going to be worth millions of dollars. And he involves a few people in the selling of this stuff and trying to get it. And then one lovely morning, bombs start going <laughs> off in the state of Utah. It blow you up. And one guy who was involved directly with him is, is murdered from this this bomb that was planted to kill him, and then... Uh, this old woman was bombed at her house because it was attempting to kill her husband. And then the guy with the letters uh, is getting into his car later that evening, or maybe the next day, and his car explodes. So basically, it's like a mystery of trying to figure out who in the hell is bombing the Mormons and why. And I don't want if you don't know what the story is, it's worth watching because it's pretty freaking fascinating. We watched the first episode. When you find out what really is happening, it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible. Um, and I was expecting it to be like this big conspiracy thing with the Mormon faith or something, but you know, Mormons. That's what it was kind of leading to. It's me. it's it's not like I'll just I'll spoil that the, the Mormons are are the, are the good guys in this thing. So um, it's really worth watching. There's only three episodes, but. There are parts where it drug out a little bit, but it's worth sticking with. Well, I thought the good thing about the first episode, they did a pretty good job of explaining kind of the Mormon faith, because probably a lot of people aren't familiar with it. It's pretty off the walls, in my opinion, of how that thing got started. But at least Mormons are typically very nice people, even though they bother you at your house. But yeah, like, I can't, I can't, like, Mitt Romney is just kind of a... It was LDS. Yeah. Latter-day Saints. It's yeah. worth checking out. I mean, it's Netflix always does their true crime series better than anybody, so... Very truly yours, Hollis Green. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> Hollis Green was behind it. Or Roman Grant. <laughs> what about Allen versus Farron? Oh, this is a cheery one to talk about. I'm sure it is. Um, I tried. I couldn't get through it. 
I don't know. Maybe it was because I had just watched Nomadland that well, look, I found I'll, it easier to get through this. I'll tell you this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Scott posted, uh, apparently after watching this, that, that Woody Allen should be in prison. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess if you go by what they're... I mean, the documentary is told... There's only one side of the, of the story that's being told. And there's a lot of like information involving Woody Allen and, and this his daughter mm-hmm. and the things that he allegedly did. And even if he didn't rape her, like there's a lot of weird, inappropriate stuff that he did with her. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. So they had, they had a lot of weird stuff going on. Like apparently he was discovered like in an attic with her, and she apparently you know like kids will do this. They'll just be wearing like a shirt and underwear. They want to have pants on because that's little kids will do that. But apparently they were discovered in an attic, and she was sitting on the couch, and Woody Allen was on his knees in front of her with his head in her lap. So again, he may not have been doing anything technically sexual, but obviously it's weird and inappropriate, and something's off with this dude. And then apparently they, I never, I've never seen a Woody Allen movie in my life, but apparently you've never seen any Woody Allen movie. Never, really? Wow. Because Annie Hall beat Star Wars, so I vowed well, to never watch Annie Hall, but I've watched. I mean, I've watched Annie Hall, but I watched a lot of. But apparently, like a lot of his movies, the theme of it is an older man with a younger woman. Like apparently, I think it was a Manhattan. Like that's the a big part of the story or whatever. So uh, it's basically about you know the the alleged alleged rape of Dylan Farrow, and she's basically coming clean, telling her story. Um, I found it. I actually was. I didn't find it to be too hard to watch. The last episode was really upsetting when basically people were coming out against Dylan Farrow, and like Woody Allen is getting all these. Like special achievement awards at the Oscars and stuff, um, but uh, it definitely like her story in a lot of in this the way this documentary is told. She kind of helped start the Me Too movement and and getting women who have been abused to to speak out. And um, you know I, she's an amazing woman. I mean she she came a long way uh, from what she went through allegedly because it wasn't proven, but I'm pretty sure uh, you know. Not to steal a line from Step Brothers, but Woody Allen's a raper. Allegedly. Allegedly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, she... The, the, they, the reason they didn't prosecute, um, well, they didn't go to trial, the, it, it came down to the, uh, the prosecutor, and he made a gut call that he didn't think it was appropriate to put Dylan on the stand because she was so young, and he was like, I don't know if this will traumatize her even more, and... Basically, it was up to him, and it, it was a, there's a really powerful moment at the end of the documentary where she he sits with uh, with Dylan Farrow and discusses and tries to explain why he did it, and you know she was talking about how she blamed herself for being so young and you know she should have been able to handle it, and he was like, if anybody's to blame for what did not happen, it was me. I made the call, you know, don't blame yourself for this, and I, it, it's it's really good. Yeah. Um, I actually, I mean, Glenn talked about it before he you know he found it hard to watch, and I I, I get it. Um, it, it can be tough the way the the descriptions are. To me, the Michael Jackson one was worse. That Michael Jackson one was really hard to get through. This one didn't quite go as graphic as the Michael Jackson one. It's bad enough, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a fascinating watch. And Woody Allen does not come off well. Like even if even if he didn't do what he was accused of, there's recorded tape conversations on the phone with him and Mia Farrow, and he's an absolute dickhead asshole. Well, I mean, in the beginning, he kind of come, which that's one thing I kind of liked about the beginning was they had all the film historians talking about why Woody Allen is important. 
to the filmmaking community and why his movies are so revered. And but like all the weird stuff when him and Mia Farrow got together. Of yeah. Like, okay, well, you can adopt a child as long as it's got as a little girl with blonde hair, mm. and like, just know that I have no interest in raising any of these children. I'm going to keep my house over here. And he's like, I'll come over and play with this child, but if it, you know it comes time to change a diaper or something, I'm going to leave and go home. Didn't he get all like pissed off when one of her kids was going to be a boy? Yeah. Well, that well, when the child was born, and it was, yeah, it was a boy. He was yeah. like livid about it because it yeah. wasn't a little girl. It, it's just it's so it's, weird. it's creepy and weird. He he looks like a pedo. <laughs> wow. Um, it's good. I, I would recommend watching it. I think it's only four episodes. And I mean, if you can get through the first one, again, I, I thought the Michael Jackson one was way worse. But, you know, there it is. Um, I have no segue. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Here we are. So the the next uh, MCU Disney Plus yep, series. We, Here's uh, my big takeaway from this: Disney is just sparing no expense with these TV shows. The opening. of oh My Disney? God! Like I don't think I've seen a more expensive looking visual effect like action sequence. I mean, it was basically one of the cold opens for a James Bond film. That, yeah, that's mm-hmm. very much what it reminded me of. It was insane. Um, there were a lot of that I like. A couple things I didn't like. I don't have Marvel on a pedestal like a lot of people. Some of it I don't really care for. Um, but overall, I thought it was very good. It was a good start. I'm, a, I'm curious to see where it goes. One thing that I really like about kind of these shows, um, you know, when, when you get your Marvel movies, you got your typical, you know, you give or take, but it's usually about a two-hour runtime. And in a two-hour runtime, you would not be able to visit Sam Wilson's family in Delacroix, Louisiana. See, or, that, you yeah. know, see Bucky going to therapy and stuff like that. And I guess these shows, you know, six hours, you get a little bit more times to like well, dive into the character. It makes it feel more like a comic book. Right. I agree with you to an extent. I, I like I thought it was this episode, it was fine. That was really cool seeing that. I just don't want the entire series to be like this. I'm not sure it won't be, but I mean you kinda get to know the character. I mean they don't even more. they're not even they're not even sharing any screen time together in the No, I'm talking about like I don't want to like I don't want the entire series to be about, you know, um the Falcons family trying to get a boot. I mean, I, I, I don't think I don't think when you uh, pitch the thing to Kevin Feige, I got this. You know, that's going to be the name of the show. The Falcons get a boot. I'm just saying, I don't want that to be like a little <laughs> subplot that goes on through the entire series. But it was a fascinating thing to see, like how does he make money? I mean, like where's he getting his think, money? Do from? you think at one point him mm-hmm. and the Winter Soldier are going to be like just finished fighting with some people, and his sister's going to come by in the boat? He's going to it's my boat. <laughs> 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 or, or you think eventually he'll get that boat and Winter Soldier will, will show up to be his first mate. <laughs> you got magic arm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Winter Soldier. Don't you ever call him stupid. <laughs> yes, but, uh, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought I really like this. Because um, yeah. it dealt with a couple of things that I, don't, I never really would have thought of. Like when they talked about kind of what seems like it's going to be the villains or the flag smashers. Because they said they want to go back. They want the world to go back to how it was during the blip when there were no borders and I'm like that's stuff I never really would have really yeah. thought about you know how that five year period but I mean was. you gotta think about it I mean it had to have been devastating to the economy and everything when all of a sudden the population just doubled well, instantly they also they deal with that a little bit in Endgame where like uh, when, when Ronan's looking for all the like the Yakuza and stuff like that yeah. um, and this is kind of the reverse of that like you're saying like think about Removing anything. That's why a friend, friend and I was, were having a talk recently about like you know shifting systems and whatnot. I'm like, you can't really just destabilize a system. You have to like change it from within because if you take it away, there's more pain that happens in between. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like this, that's you're taking billions of people out. 
shoving billions of people back in. Just from a resources standpoint alone, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, but then like all the stuff with Bucky, I thought was really, really cool because, I mean, in um, the Winter Soldier, you saw Steve Rogers' little list of like all the movies and albums he missed, and Bucky has a similar list, but it's all you know people that he needs to make amends to. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really like that too much. I just, I just, I just thought, why? I, I, because it made it seem like he's like an alcoholic going to make amends for, and I was just like, why is he? It's worse. Why does he have to do this? It makes well, no sense to it, me. It, it just it reminded me. There's one line in Civil War when um, Tony confronts him about killing his parents, and he's like, "Do you even remember them?" And Sebastian Stan delivered that line perfectly, where he's like, "I remember every single one of them." And, like, how would that someone, Bucky, who, like, enlisted in World War Two to be a good guy and, you know, work, it wasn't his fault. He was I, I get all that. And how, how would that affect him? And I was just, I thought, it, I thought Sebastian uh, Stan was. Oh, he's good. Great. And I don't fault him at all. I, I am 100% for him, like, being, having to deal with what he did. But I just don't like the fact that a psychiatrist gave him, oh, you got to go and find everybody who you affected by murdering someone in their life and apologize to him and tell him you're not the Winter Soldier anymore. I'm like. That's kind of hokey to me. But I mean, I don't think she just came out and gave him this list. I mean, it was more about the. Well, she made him therapeutic to make him confront. Because she's asking, him, "Are you still having the nightmares about things?" Which he says no to. But I mean, that's why you got to. If he he's, makes he the amends, but then there's that whole elaborate thing where he looks like he's going to attack that car, and it's just so he can walk up to the person and say, "I'm not the Winter Soldier anymore. I'm sorry for what I did." I'm like, "Come on!" I, it, it was. But I mean, he got her in in trouble. And everything. I, I, and, I think there was a better way to do it, in my opinion. Again, I don't. Uh, it's it's nitpicking, I guess. But I just I thought there was a better way to write that. Better quit picking nits over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see uh, in a few episodes what we what we think of it. I mean, definitely, I think I'm. Uh, I'd like to compare it as a whole, but like WandaVision, this, oh, I, I'm less like. I agree with you there. I already see where you're going. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm less like, what the fuck's happening and yeah. what am I going to do? And I did end up liking WandaVision, so you're this right. Is, this yeah. is much shorter, though. This is only yeah, six it's only episodes. Six. Yeah. But it's also longer episodes. It's yeah. 50 minutes. Uh, yeah. the they first probably episode. couldn't afford to make more than six. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, it comes on Fridays, Disney Plus. Just like WandaVision. Yeah. Um, another show, though, that has had a, more than three episodes is Superman and Lois. Now, we talked about the premiere of that series. Have both of you gotten to watch all of them so far? I have not watched all of them. I have um, one or two I haven't watched the last one, but I watched okay. all the rest of them. So, yeah, you've got at least yeah. three. Yeah. I don't watch the CW. You should check this one out. This one's kind of different. You don't, I, you don't have to watch anything like else for this, yeah. this one. This one's kind of different. And it, it is different than the others. Um, I mean, so far, I mean, the, this, this show, it's... I'm, I'm I'm impressed. I'm like you talk about the budget and whatnot, but what they're able to do on a CW budget for this series is pretty pretty cool. Can I ask a question? Sure. So, is this like in any way connected to the DC universe, the cinematic universe? No. The, all right. So the only time they were ever like they did that big cro- Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover last year, which I don't know. I. I, I I was expecting more than what we got, but there is a scene where Grant Gustin and Ezra Miller share the screen together for a few seconds. But I mean, like, but that's the closest thing that. Do you think it's a good or bad thing that like they're not trying to do something similar to what Marvel's doing, where like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels weird that they they keep all these I, DC characters keep popping up, but it's not con- important to the here, movie. Here, here's here's my answer. Like, I think that the TV world should be separate. Unless it's for like a stream, if they did like a HBO Max 
like extended universe series yeah. that would be one thing I like having two versions of characters for certain things where I get a little bit bogged down where I think that like you're onto something with this is I think for the cinematic universe it should be more interconnected and now they're kind of afraid of interconnectedness based on what they did before because once you've committed to a path that's the path so I don't like the idea of them throwing out the Zack Snyder baby with the bathwater. They really need to lean into it. Yeah. And, and I mean, because you already have stuff that's all connected from Shazam, from Aquaman, and things like that. They they've worked out the kink, so you can build a universe very similar to the Marvel universe using different characters in a different tone, and people will see it. They saw Aquaman in yeah. They saw Wonder Woman in and, and, and I think you might be kind of on to something because. With the HBO Max shows kind of being more connected with the cinematic stuff, because James Gunn's doing that show on HBO Max about was John Cena the peacemaker? Yeah, and that's a spinoff of the Su- Suicide Squad movie. It's so. not a sequel to George Clooney movie about terrorists. Uh, that would it should be. Yeah, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for that sequel. <laughs> but I mean, also, I feel like like Greg said, the HBO Max stuff kind of works because there's only. They keep there's there's no movie out at the same time. The way they're doing it, there's one show going on at a time. Whereas the CW shows, they're longer shows. They're twenty plus episodes a season, and there's sometimes four or five of them on at the same time. And, and, and it's too much of an undertaking to have to watch, keep up with all of this and movies. Well, the the great thing about the CW shows too is they they are interconnected, and they yeah. they've through the ability of them having longer form stories, they've been able to figure out how to interconnect these things yeah. where they have crossover or whatnot yeah. and so they exist in the same universe and that I think is fine and I think that again like them being able to cut their teeth on these stories on a smaller scale allow them to kind of see what works for because your, your feedback's immediate yeah. sure the, the reason that you had the version of, of Barry Allen that you get in the Flash movies is because of Grant Gustin's portrayal and how well loved it is on the show mm-hmm. and, and one good thing about that is I mean if the show is popular you kind of don't have to go into the origin story quite as much as and that's what i kind of love about this they don't really yeah. do that right and what i find you know cool because the I've, I've saw their first couple of appearances on supergirl i've seen the crisis on infinite earths i love uh, elizabeth tulloch that plays lois i think she's she's good she's what they were going for with margot kidder she's where good. she's a presence in every room i love lana lang yeah, her, her husband. Which, if I'm not mistaken, the char- the name of the character is a villain becomes a villain eventually or something. I love like there's a lot of stuff to love about the show, and I always have to ask you guys because I'm a biased Superman fan. I have I'm gonna it, naturally inclined to enjoy certain things. I love the dynamic with the kids. That's my favorite thing about this show because I think, I mean, I hear this a lot about like complaints about how you know Superman's a tough nut to crack sometimes just because it's hard to get. Which pretty much is a great guy. And how do you relate that to your average, you know, TV watcher? Mm-hmm. And the way that they're doing it with, you know, he's Superman, but the show is really about him trying to be a dad, and you know, the dealing with the, the teenage sons. They turned him into Mister Incredible. That, no, not really. The not thing is, really. everything comes natural to Clark when it comes to being Superman. It doesn't come as natural to him being a parent. Does he have kids in the comics? Well, he has one. He has a son, Jonathan, in the comics. Does he have powers? Yes, he's oh. Superboy. Oh well, yeah. There you go. Well, yeah. The, I mean, that's kind of the show. He's, they've got twin twin boys, and Jonathan and Jordan. Yeah, and Jordan four, is the, yeah. fourteen. Yeah, they're yeah. like freshmen in high school. Yeah. Um, which again, it's a good like you, you talked about like you know being a t- enough tough nut to crack or being relatable, but like that's for me. Superman's always been more relatable when he's at ease with being Superman. Right. 
and you get more of the Peter Parker elements of him when he's you know Clark bumbling around. In, in this particular instance, like you know, realizing that like he wanted he, he was doing the things that his dad did, keeping his son out of of football, and then for his troubled son, football winds up being something that actually helps him. Right. Um, and you know he, him taking lessons from his, and then his, his other son gets neglected. The son that's well adjusted and all that kind of stuff. So it's this really interesting thing. While they're not in Metropolis in Smallville, trying to kind of combat smaller problems that aren't as easy to fix. Sure. Yeah. It's. I don't know. I, I'm I'm very impressed. And, yeah. Okay. And it's. I'm, they've been showing a lot of restraint because there's a couple of times I was like, oh, here's where somebody from Supergirl is going to show up. And so far, I don't think they've even mentioned any of the other shows. No, they really haven't. No, they, I mean they've gotten certain characters that were from that show, but right. there's explanations as oh, to why they're on Christ, there. When they did Crisis, didn't Brandon Ralph show up as Superman at one point? Because I mean he, he was, showed yeah. up as the the Kingdom Come version of Superman. He yeah. was basically like years after on the Superman Returns universe, he was that Superman. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was really cool too. But yeah, I, I'm I'm thoroughly excited to see where the rest of the season goes. Yeah. And it's already been picked up for season two. Yeah, yeah and I love the cost. The costume works so well. I loved the opening of the first episode where they had that kind of like the throwback. Well, I mean, it was just like the the, the him telling the story about him, you know, show, arriving on Earth. How it was basically the whole origin story in that little montage. Mm-hmm. And there was a throwback to every single version of Superman. Yeah. Like, even in Lois and Clark, when he had that line, like, cool suit, oh, thanks, my mom made it for me. Yeah. And, and that was the, the suit from the first comic. Exactly. So, and, I mean, they, it was just, I don't know, I'm very impressed with, especially yeah. with the Tyler Hoechlin guy. When does it come on? very good. comes on Tuesdays. Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights it's Tuesday. usually, if you look at the CW app, it's usually Wednesday mornings is when it when it uh, it's on there. It comes on the same night as Young Rock. I'm a couple episodes behind on that. We're, we're caught up on that. Um, Co- Coach O was actually in this past episode, like the actual Coach O. Nice. Oh, was it? Yeah. Go Tigers. Uh, so Superman and Lois brings up the question. There was a massive debut on uh, streaming this week, and we kind of alluded to it, but the Snyder Cut got released. Well, we're not going to talk about HBO Max. it. We're not going to talk about it. We're actually, you guys seem to be enjoying these themed episodes that we're doing, and we actually enjoy them a lot yeah. ourselves. It gives us the chance to devote a lot of time to one particular topic. So what we're going to do, since this is a four-hour film, we're not uh, going to do a four-hour podcast. We're not going to do a four-hour podcast, but we are going to take the time to kind of break it down because this is an unprecedented thing. So we're going to do this next week where the entire episode will be us talking about a film where for the first time ever you've had the same cast, same writing. You know, say, yeah. It's just two completely different films. So look forward to that next week. We're going to do a deep dive. And watch it. Don't don't let the four-hour runtime throw you because it's – you can watch it like you're watching a show, like a like, yeah, they like got a mini series. They got it broken parts. up into six parts, and yeah. I mean, it's when you're like looking at the uh, the progress bar on your on your 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 screen. There's a little markings. There's little markings where they are, so you kind of know when they're coming. Um, and there's it, it like stops and fades to black, and it comes up, you know, part two or part three, or whatever, with a little heading. Yeah. So I mean, it's good places to be able to stop. If you're gonna do a four hour movie, this is probably the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, and you you can try to watch it like that, but don't let that put you off watching it because it was very good, and we watched it in three parts. I think you know, it, was, it was either three or four times. Yeah, it took me to get to watch it, but it was it was really good. All right, and now we've been waiting a bit to talk about some of these films. We're gonna revisit the Cage. We're still watching these Treasure damn Cage Trove. movies. I'm gonna go first because this one's gonna be a real quick review. The USS Indianapolis. It's on Netflix. Don't watch it. It's not even good in cage terms. Um, so for those of you who don't know, the USS Indianapolis, it's the, the amazing story told by Quint in Jaws. 
about uh, a naval ship that is assisting with the bombing of Hiroshima in World War II. Um, and when they're on their way back from delivering the bomb, they get hit by a Japanese submarine, knocks them with some torpedoes, and the ship sinks. The entire crew goes into the water. They're stuck out there for, I forgot how many, how long. It's a good while. And basically, they get constantly attacked by tiger sharks. So I went into this movie, and this is going to make you all laugh, but when the credits began, the director of this film is Mario Van Peebles. Really? So I was like, so get the F okay, out of here. Okay, so here's the thing. I got kind of excited because I'm like, I mean, I like Mario Van Peebles. He's from Highlander 3? He's a name. I mean, this might be... Then I remembered... He doesn't really do sharks well because he was in Jaws the Revenge. (laughs) And he did not improve on his ability to film shark attacks. It's pretty horrible. And it's really boring. Mario Van Peebles directed Jaws? He didn't direct it. He was in it. I know he was in it, but I'm just saying he directed it. The tie-in is just... He confused me. No, he didn't direct Jaws. I don't know who directed Jaws the Revenge. That guy was probably put to death. (laughs) (laughs) He was fed to sharks. Yeah, but uh, this movie's not good. Like, Cage is not playing Cage. And when he doesn't play Cage, it's got to be a good movie. And it's not a good movie. It's very boring. Um, And then eventually, you know, the... Not many of the people of the soldiers get rescued, but the ones that do, you know, they go back to their life. And I thought the movie was going to end with them getting rescued. No, we got to deal with Nicolas Cage as the captain or of the ship getting put on trial to see if he abandoned ship fast enough. And I'm like, oh, what is this? I don't want to. It's bad. Like, I'd probably give it about a two, only because Cage is in it. And so, in other words, watch Jaws again instead of watching. Oh, this. watch Jaws every day if you can. But yeah, stay away from this. It's on Netflix, but don't watch it. There's plenty of other Cage movies that are much more fun. A score to settle. All right. So, uh, yeah, I got two of them to talk about. First one is A Score to Settle. came out in 2019. Um, so a new one, kind of. Both of the ones I watched are, are pretty new. And i got to say, I kind of like this one. Um, Nicolas Cage plays Frank. He's a... Uh, um, uh, a, As uh, one does. Yeah, he's an ex mob enforcer. Um, it starts off with a flashback where he's a kid. Which, and I will say, the actor that plays young Frank, his name is Bailey Coppola, and it's Nicolas Cage's nephew, and it looks exactly like him. It was pretty. It was pretty cool. But um, so it opens with this mob boss and um, young Frank. They're like in, they're interrogating this guy that's tied up by. Um, They've got a baseball bat and some baseballs, and they're hitting the baseballs into this guy's face and, like, trying to find out some sort of information from him. Well, anyway, Frank and, funny enough, his associate, who just goes by the name, the, the letter Q, um, they, 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 they leave to go get the baseball that, you know, went over the fence. And when they come back, the guy's dead, the mob boss has killed him, and Frank decides to take the fall for it. Out of like loyalty, and the um, the mob guy says, "Don't worry, we'll, you know we'll take care of your family," because he had a wife and a and a little boy. So he goes away to prison, and cut to I think it's 19 years later. He's getting out of prison because he has something. And I looked it up; it's an actual thing. It's some sort of terminal insomnia, where he has this crazy inability to sleep, and eventually he's just going to die. So he gets uh, early parole, and he gets and he leaves. And he kind of meets up with his now adult son, and the, and he has a list of all the people that were involved with um, this death, and he ba- he wants to go and, and and kill them all before he succumbs to this uh, illness. 
Um, Cage, he he's restrained in some scenes, but when he goes Cage, when, goes the, full cage. when the Cage rage comes out, it's 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 a lot. It's it's a lot. It's really funny. But um, I don't know. This movie, I, I, like I said, I kind of like this one. It had a twist I kind of wasn't expecting in it. But um, I mean, he, Nicolas Cage I thought was solid in it. Uh, Benjamin Bratt played Q. Oh, uh, yeah, and. Um, it's not that long. It's like an hour forty five minutes. It's on Hulu. Um, I'd actually recommend it. it, it it's um, it, it it was a lot of fun. Um, I'd probably give it uh, maybe six and a half. Kill chain. All right. So this is the other one I watched. Um, this one I, I want to say this just came out. This came out very recently, and it's on. Um, I think it's an Amazon Studios film. Um, yeah, it came out in 2019. Nicolas Cage plays Aranya, which is... The spider? Yes. Um, so, uh, he is a former assassin that owns a hotel in Mexico. Um, and it kind of opens with these two assassins going in there to, to, to kill him. And before they take him out, he kind of sits... He says, look, I know y'all, y'all got the drop on me. You're going you're gonna to kill me. But, um, and he, he looks at one, and he's like, I used to be you. He's like, I had an associate, and the two of us would go around killing people. Aren't you even curious how I ended up in Mexico, like, owning this hotel? And one of them said, yeah, actually, sure, I am. So he's like, all right, before you kill me, uh, let me let me tell you this story. So then the whole movie is this flashback. And it starts off with um, this old sniper played by Enrico Cantaloni. Oh. Yeah, and Keith uh, Mars. Yeah, the, the 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 cast in this is pretty impressive. So it's Nicolas Cage, Enrico Cantaloni, Ryan Quaten from um, True Blood. True. Yeah. Um, uh, I said it's, it's it was a pretty good cast, and the the way this movie structured was kind of interesting because it's called Kill Chain, and that's kind of what this movie is. Like, there there aren't a whole lot of actors that share screen time. It's like. There's this one cat. There's there's a character, and it's following this character for about fifteen minutes or so, and then he gets killed, and then the plot starts following the person that killed him, and it's like this big chain of events to get back to um, Cage in this hotel. Um, I guess I, I kind of this movie reminded me a little bit of something like Lucky Number Eleven, okay. where there's a lot of, I mean the plot it's it's a little convoluted. But it's still kind of fun. Um, this movie wasn't terrible, yeah, but I don't. I think it could have been a lot better. But um, with with the, the talent involved, um, I'd probably give this. I'll go right over the middle. I'll give this one a five point five. Um, it, it's it's kind of cool. Like I said, I thought the concept was really neat. Um, the uh, there's a lot of bad guys, and in fact, I don't think there's a single quote unquote good guy through this whole thing. They're either corrupt cops or assassins or gangsters. I mean, it's it's a lot of bad bad guys doing bad things to each other. But um, it, it, like I said, it's it, it's fun. And this one, again, it isn't too long. This one's only 90 minutes. So it's on Amazon Prime. Um, if you want to check it out. Nice. Boss level. All right. All right. So Glenn actually told me about this one, and we, we both watched it on, uh, on Hulu. Yeah. Boss level. It stars Frank Grillo, who was in... Uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. And, yeah, he was. Uh, and, uh, what was it? he did a show where it was like an MMA thing, didn't he? Yeah, with Nick Jonas. Was it the King Kingdom? Kingdom, yeah, that's Kingdom. it. I mean, he was in the was it the thing with the, the Gray. The Gray, yeah. 
and the, pur- um, the Purge movies. He was, he was in, the, he was he was in, in one of the really good Purge movies. Yeah. He was in one of the, in the Purge movies, and he was also I saw the other day it was um, the thing with Jake Gyllenhaal and, and Michael Pena was it End of Watch. Oh yeah, yeah. He was, he was in that. Yeah. Um, anyway, he plays he's this a, guy. He's a tough guy. He's, he's a tough guy, and he like looks completely like jacked, like more than he's looked in anything else I've ever seen. And um, this movie is a shoot 'em up action version of Groundhog Day, where he just keeps waking up, and he's this former special forces guy, and he keeps waking up. Two people trying to kill him, and eventually they do at some point. And it's it's like you're playing a video game, like a boss. And he's it's like he's playing a video game, and you got to just keep getting back to the, the the last part and trying to get get past where you're where you're going. And as he's going on, he's trying to find out why these people are trying to kill him. You know, all the why, why is the day keep repeating why is the day keep repeating itself? And these things do actually get explained in it. And it's this movie is just so much fun. I it's, agree. It's it's just it's really really violent. Um, one of the first things that happens every day in the morning is a helicopter shows up to his apartment and a guy on a, on a minigun played by Rob Gronkowski starts shooting a minigun into his apartment. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Gronk. And Gronk does a Wilhelm scream in one of his deaths because, I mean, all these people, you see him get killed multiple times. Tight pods. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, and then, like, every time, like, after he dies, in a very kind of video game font, it says, like, attempt number 205. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And, and the, the main... Like the boss villain in it is played by Mel Gibson. I'm not really sure why he's played by Mel Gibson because it really could have been anybody. Um, but I mean, the only thing I kind of read a little bit about this movie it was directed by Joe Carnahan. You know, who did yeah. like the A Team and uh, was it Narc? Mm-hmm. And apparently, he had the idea for this movie a long time ago. And I think kind of he it was his. I think Mel Gibson was his original choice to play Roy, like yeah. the, the guy. Which in the nineties, I can completely see yeah. Mel Gibson doing this kind of movie. Yeah, but I mean, if you want like just a good like shoot 'em up like popcorn movie that's like just kind of tongue in cheek funny, this is it. It's really funny. And yeah, and like the I don't know the way that Frank Grillo kind of narrates the yeah. whole thing. It's very like you said. It's very tongue in cheek. It knows that it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and the stuff with the gamers. I mean, yeah. And I, I want to say the one, the actor, the one that plays his son. I think that's Frank Grillo's real son. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Okay. And Naomi Watts is in it. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh. I mean, the Michelle Yeoh was in it. The supporting cast in this was pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and what's Annabeth his, Wallace was in it. What's it? The the bartender was uh, was it Ken Jeong. Ken Jeong. Which he actually didn't get on my nerves in this one. No, he's not really funny, and he's not. Right. He's not like trying to be funny. Yeah, he's it. just a, a bartender. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of. I mean. In the gamer culture, I mean, there's a lot of different type of assassins that he's going up against because yeah. they got like the the little guy with the bombs, and yeah. then there's like a uh, like a, a a woman with the samurai sword, and there's like ones with guns, and I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of funny just because every time, just like Groundhog Day, when he get he, you know he eventually teaches himself how to use a, a sword yeah. after getting killed many times and. I mean, one of the first things he does is, like, it took him the first few days to try to figure out is after he, you know, gets past the helicopter that comes to shoot him, he has to jump out of his window, and he has to land in the back of this truck that's passing by, and he's getting the timing right. It took a little while, and you show him getting run over by the truck a bunch of times, or missing the truck and just splatting, and then, yeah. and then it'll be a temp number or whatever, and it's... It's, it's, it's fun. a lot of fun. And it just reminds you of playing a video game, where you're trying to get past the, a level. Yeah. I think this was one that was supposed to come out in theaters, and they moved it yeah. to the Hulu for the. Home. But it's it's so much fun. Yeah. And then the aftermath. Oh, the, our, our, what would you grade it? Oh, um, for the type of movie it is, I'd probably give it like an eight. I mean, like in general, like it's not going to win the Oscars or anything, but I mean, like it, for just like a popcorn shoot 'em up movie, yeah, I had so much fun watching I think this I'd movie. I agree with you. I think yeah. I'd go I'd go eight with this one. It, it was fun, and it's on Hulu. So, yeah. I mean, if you don't like it, just turn it off. Aftermath. Okay, so um. 
This is our last film. I feel bad that I'm ending on this one. It's not available on Netflix anymore. The only reason I saw it... Um, so, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times when I'm, I'm on Netflix, I'll be scrolling through, and I might see something that is interesting, but I'm not going to watch it right now. So, I'll just add to my list. Yeah. Uh, Netflix occasionally will give you warnings when something's about to leave Netflix. So, I went on there a couple nights ago, and it told me that this movie, Aftermath, was going to be leaving Netflix in a few days, and it's a Schwarzenegger movie. I'd never heard of it, so I was like, well, I might as well check it out. And I was thinking, it's going to be a Schwarzenegger movie. It's going to be... You know, a lot of fun, a lot of violence, a lot of shooting. Going to be a lot of fun. That's not what this was. <laughs> so this is actually loosely based on a true story. Apparently, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays this construction worker. And his family, I think, or they didn't really clarify this, but I think they're immigrants. Or they're not from the United States. They're and from Austria? I don't, they didn't really say. But it was, it was a little vague. Anyway, they're flying in from whatever country they're at. And Arnold flies, goes to the airport to pick them up, and turns out there was an accident. And he gets... It was interesting seeing how the airline handled this accident and the way they were ushering the, the people around and sort of giving them information but not giving them all the information about what happened. Long story short is that there was a mid-air collision. Basically, like from the movie Pushing Tin, it really happened this time. Like These two planes collided in mid-air. Both planes disintegrated and destroyed. Everybody's dead. So the movie is told from two points of view, Arnold and him as a grieving father and husband and the air traffic controller guy who was basically set up to fail when he showed up for his shift and a lot of stuff was going wrong and it wasn't really his fault, but no one's, they're not really talking about it. So it's basically about how this guy's life is destroyed. He's mentally just blown. He can't, he can't function anymore. And Arnold can't function because the airline won't really give him give him an apology. I kept expecting him to go all full collateral damage and just show up with an, a machine gun and start shooting. It's not that. Like Arnold is just really grounded in this movie, and it's really emotional and dark. And I've never seen Arnold be in a movie like this. I wasn't expecting this, and uh, the end of it is pretty twisted. What what finally happens? It's a little bit of a slow build. And there's a, I don't remember the actor who plays the air traffic controller, but I've seen him and stuff before. And um, his wife is actually another uh, actress I've seen in, I want to say like she was in some like TV show or something. But um, again, it's not on Netflix anymore. So I don't know exactly where you can locate it, but uh, you can go on Rotten Tomatoes. I just found this out though. You go on Rotten Tomatoes and do a search for a movie. It tells you where you can find this Oh, Scoop McNary is the guy. It's the guy from Narcos. Yes, that's yeah. where I knew him from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was in a lot of stuff. Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. So, um, Maggie Grace was it? Yeah. So I would probably give this like, um, like a, a six and a half. I really enjoyed it. It was something I never thought I'd see Arnold doing. A straight drama. No big Arnold moments. Just really grounded emotional performance from him. Did um, he yell at anyone? So he showed them fucking collateral damage. I, I wanted that. I wanted that. That, but it, it, when the airline told me they couldn't give him any information, did he say, "I'll be back"? No. I mean, I was expecting all that. I was waiting for all that, and I kept just sitting there. I'm like, this is not going how I thought it was going to go. And um, so this isn't him walking in going, "Hey, everyone, Jill." Jill. No, this is a. I, this movie's worth seeing just for Arnold's performance. Um, it, I mean, he's kind of. 
of been elevating ever since after the the whole Governor thing. Yeah, he's, he's been trying to. He's been doing smaller movies. And yeah, and he's been kind of expanding. I always wanted to see. Didn't he do like like that realistic zombie movie? Was it Maggie? Maggie or something? Yeah. I heard good things about that, but I can't. I didn't. I couldn't find it anywhere. But uh, yeah, I'd get about a six and a half if you can find it. It's worth checking out. Cool. And now it is time to nominate this week's Awesome Villager. Gentlemen, who are your nominees and why? Well, even though we, we're going to do the special on the Justice League next week, um, I'm still going to nominate Zack Snyder um, for many reasons. Um, I, I, I've always liked his filmmaking style. I loved Watchmen, um, loved 300, um, Man of Steel. And he's, he's a very talented director. But I also wanted to nominate him just because like, we kind of... <laughs> We we gave the the awesome villager award to uh, Joss Whedon for stepping in. I remember this for stepping in and finishing the Justice League because of the tragedy that happened to, yeah. to Zack Snyder. And I, I I when I watched the movie ended and it ends and just two words come up on the screen in black and it just for Autumn, which I'm assuming is his daughter. Yeah, it's his daughter. So it's like I remember thinking when that came up, I'm like I, I can't imagine how he must have felt in so many different ways like when justice league came out and it was totally not what he intended i don't think he saw it he really? didn't know his wife told him not because she was still involved as a producer and i think christopher nolan told him not to watch it either yeah so, like they were they looked at it because because deborah snyder and christopher nolan are producing partners yeah. and i you know i, I it, it, it's a shame because i don't like to see i don't know to me if you're gonna step in for somebody you gotta at least try to incorporate the vision of the artist who what he was trying to do and for them to just completely just not yeah. go with what he was doing, and I, I, th I really hope that this was sort of sort of cathartic for him, you know, in, in his grieving process of just being able to go back and make the movie he wanted to for his daughter. I think that that was a great thing. Yeah, from what I gather from it now, I mean, back then it just sounded like we all we knew was that Joss Whedon stepped in and finished the movie, but now it seems like Joss Whedon kind of took it over, almost as if you'd be taking over from like a director that got fired because they were yeah. doing a terrible job. Yeah. which and that's not uh, what it, happened. It's kind of coming out that. That might, that's kind of is exactly what happened, where I think Warner Brothers brought Joss Whedon in and said, we want you to make this a Marvel movie. Like, yeah. we, we don't... Because we mentioned how Warner Brothers is sometimes a little reactionary, and it seems like they got very reactionary about the the uh, reception of Batman vs. Superman, and that's why they just decided when, when this tragedy happened and they brought Joss Whedon in, they kind of... Yeah. Well, from what I understand, I mean, none of us were there. Yeah. But um, it sounds like Warner Brothers told them, we want you to go and change this. Mm -hmm. yeah. but. Um, anyway, I would nominate uh, uh, Frank Grillo from, uh, from Boss Level because it looked like he was having a hell of a lot of fun making this movie. And, I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was just awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, was just, I was just, like, laughing and eating popcorn while I was watching it. I actually made popcorn in my house and, and, and watched it. I don't, I don't do that. Yeah, it makes the movie more enjoyable. Yeah, people keep it in the house. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to nominate uh, local boy um, Anthony Mackey. Um, Ryan's best friend. Poppy yeah. Doc. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, I just his career, I mean, you say what you will about him personally, but um, he's a hell of an actor. I mean, starting with uh, 8 Mile and Hurt Locker, but like the way that he's... Um, you know, kind of blown up as you know the the superhero stuff with him playing the Falcon, and I don't know the way he played him in in this first episode of, of the show. Uh, it just he I don't know, he kind of impressed me the um, the way that uh, he you know some of the some of the scenes he had with his 
his sister and his uh, nephews and stuff like that. But and and I just have to mention, I just have a soft spot in my heart for the night before. I watch it every yeah. every year for uh, Christmas Eve. It's, it's that's probably I, that's, that's one of my favorite movies. And, he's done. and yeah. um, it's not my favorite. And he's just so funny in that movie. He so, is. Uh, and it, it just occurred to me, and I'm probably already occurred to all of you guys, but when you just said her locker, I just realized that that was that was Falcon and, and Hawkeye y- in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the first scene was um was it Ed- Killian yeah the, Killian the villain yeah. the, the villain the villain Killian <laughs> the villain from, uh, villain from the Iron, Killian. Iron Man Thirty <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna go the opposite route and nominate Sebastian Stan um, who is my choice if they ever want to recast Luke Skywalker yeah. Sebastian Stan should totally play him because he looks like Mark Hamill when he was young and he's awesome and yeah and he's really and that's the thing like like. Like I love I love Anthony Mackie's performance as Falcon. I enjoy him as as you know seeing them kind of you know dive into a world without Steve Rogers. Um, but Sebastian Stan, the, a lot of the emotional heavy lifting in this was from him. I feel like the way it's going to go, and you'll see when you watch the show that the emotional stuff from Sam is going to come later on because. It started off with him just kind of pushing away the mantle, like I, I don't right. know. But when he comes time when he realizes that he needs to take this mantle, that's when it's gonna. He's gonna show his acting chops a little more. Mm. Yeah. So if you have to vote for someone other than your own, who? I mean, I gotta go with Zack Snyder after. I'm gonna vote for Sebastian Stan because I can't vote for Anthony Mackie for anything unless it's asshole of the week. <laughs> Sorry. Once you meet somebody and you see their true colors as a person, it's kind of hard to enjoy their films as much. Uh, he's a good actor. No, I'm not taking away anything. He's a good actor, just not a good person. Um, I was going to go with Frank Grillo, actually. I, I had a smile on my face the entire time watching the movie. And I'm gonna, I, I'm, I can't go against Zack Snyder um, for all the reasons we've talked about and how hot I am to see uh, this. Because I haven't watched it yet, which is very surprising to me, but I, I wanted to kind of watch it as close to in one chunk as I could. Good luck with that, man. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm, hopefully tomorrow I'm going to be able to do it, but I can't wait to, to watch it. Everyone that I've talked to, even people that were not fans of, of this, have told me, oh my God, you've got to see it because it's great. I'm like, all right, well. You're not going to be disappointed. No. All right. Well, Zack Snyder, you please come hang out with us. I'd like to hear all. I love how. Doesn't he have a zombie movie about to come out on Netflix? Soon? He does. Um, and it's kind of funny. I, I was watching like this thing where he says that everyone, like they said, everyone behind this, like everyone that works for him, like becomes really good pals with him. I forgot he did Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. And with Dave Bautista is the star of this new one, right? I uh, believe so. Yeah. 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 Oh, is it, isn't it like. It, I don't know. I just saw read about the plot the other day. It's like a bunch of mercenaries break into Las Vegas during a zombie outbreak you know to steal stuff from a casino. I think Batista is going to be good on his part. It is one of those actors where he's going to kind of like hitch himself to different directors because like he did that with a uh, with James Gunn. Like he's he's doing you know, James Gunn, and it's they're really like because he likes to work with them and knows how to work with them. They're bringing the best stuff out in him. And I think it's going to be kind of good because Schwarzenegger did the same thing when he first started. He did a lot with Cameron. He, you know, this so is yeah. Zack Snyder's second win for Awesome Villager, by the way. Oh, he should get a hat trick. I didn't realize. We need to do it one more time. It was a while back. You had nominated him for something. Awesome. Well, remember, as always, there are many ways to find us, including Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and a host of other platforms. And you can listen to us on our website. Any way that you do, you do support the show uh, with your listens. So please give us some feedback. Oh, yeah. And thank you, man. We got, like, massive positive feedback for the last blockbuster episode last week i mean it, it might be our most popular episode we've ever done i don't know the cage episode was pretty yeah the cage popular. one but i mean like a lot of our old employees or co-workers uh reached out on social media i don't know if you guys saw that they yeah. were very excited yeah all right well this has been greg john 
Glenn. And Ryan. We will see you next week.